Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're here in the building, we're excited. If you're joining us online, go ahead and stand and let's sing together.
seated. You're here in the building. If you are at home, um, I would encourage you to do what I'm about to do, and that's uh, to take a sip of coffee. I had this great idea um, right before I walked up. I would uh, real quick eat a donut, um, and that does not do good for uh, making sure that you're ready to sing. So y'all just give me a half second here. Thank you. Nobody drinks coffee better than I do. We're excited that you're here today. Um, excited to have you here. Uh, if you're joining us online, excited that you're um, with us. Want to let you know um, we still have our same giving options that we've had now uh, coming up for a year or so. If you are uh, joining us online, there's opportunities for you to give online. If you're here in the building, we've got the baskets that you can um, drop off on the way out. Also, if you're a fan of the snail mail, uh, we accept that as well. Uh, just want to remind you, uh, as a part of Murray Hill and as a part of this family, uh, we know that having the opportunity to give uh, and to be reflective during that giving, to think about um, all the blessings that God has provided with and the opportunity that we have to participate with Him, um, both financially uh, and also in the way that we can connect with others, uh, that we have opportunity, uh, you know, like we just sang, to His grace, uh, to His peace, to His mercy. Um, definitely want to remind you about that. Uh, we are back now um, meeting on campus with our uh, youth and with our children. Uh, if you have volunteered in the past or if you are interested in um, volunteering starting next Sunday and or any time moving into the fall, we are uh, going to be in need of additional child care workers. Um, so if that's something that you feel like you could do um, to assist us in that, uh, it's usually about once a month or so that you volunteer um, during the worship service um, to be a part of that and, and to um, help our families uh, of those who have young children so that they can participate in our uh, worship here in the building with us. Um, I want to re read you real quick um, a scripture. It comes from uh, Genesis chapter 2 um, and... There's, there's reference in Scripture, there's reference in worship songs um, about God's breath um, and, and being breathed into and the significance uh, of what that means to us as, as really being alive, as, as differentiating humans from everything else that exists on this planet and the, the significance and the thought and the care with, with which God used to design us and to bring us here. And the opportunity that we have to have a relationship with Him through the sacrifice of Jesus. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of of life, and the man became a living being. This week, my brother and sister-in-law welcomed uh, a baby into the family, baby Samuel, and I was over there yesterday uh, and was able to hold him and hang out with him, um, and it has been eight years uh, since I have welcomed a young uh, baby into my family. And so it, it, it may have been that it has been that long, uh, you know, but I, I've held other babies within the last eight years. But when you look at that new baby and you think about all the things that are going on inside the baby with, with the the brain and the heart and the blood flow and, and everything that has to go just exactly right. You see this amazing creation that is filled with the breath of God. And, and we read in Scripture about what it means to be born again. And, and what it means to, to take the old life and, and to completely get rid of it. And it's, it's something brand new. And sometimes that makes total sense and it's really easy for me to get. And other times I'm like, man, that's, 
It's a really weird way to describe it. But yesterday, holding baby Samuel, it made complete and total sense. It's a fresh start. It's something completely new. And not that it's always going to be easy and that we're always going to get it right. But that God the Father is there beside us, holding, guiding, speaking wisdom into our lives to help us each day become a little bit more like His Son, Jesus. And so as we stand and sing and we'll talk about and we'll sing about God's breath, I would ask you just use that as your prayer. Use this song as your prayer as a reminder of the significance of what he has done for us and what he continues to do us do for us on a daily basis. Stand and sing with us.
your greatness. We know that you are exactly what we need. We know you are exactly what our world needs, God. Remind us that with you we have confidence to be who you say we are, to go where you would have us to go, and to do the things that by ourselves we cannot do, but with your power and with your spirit, they will be done. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Father, we come before you and we do worship you today. 
We thank you so much for all of the times that you've done that, which is beyond our capacity to understand. We thank you that you are trustworthy. We thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that we get to live as redeemed children of the King. Now, Father, I pray for us as we go through this time, as we look at your word, that your spirit would guide us, that you would give us clarity and understanding. I pray that we would leave this place having had an encounter with you. May this time be everything you want it to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we've been going through this journey of, of dealing with anxiety, and I've told you before that uh, on our website we have the real life pages, and, and anxiety and worry is, is still running away with the, with the scoreboard um, right behind the end times, or right in front of the end times thing, which we'll talk about in the next series. Um, and so there's clearly a lot of worry going on. So last week we talked about how when heart, heartache and difficulty comes into our life that, that God is morphing us into Christ-likeness or towards Christ-likeness and how important that is. And so to, today we're going to move on and we're going to look at, you know, in anxiety, one of the things that we always have to look forward to is the future. So we're going to look at John chapter 14 today. And uh, to understand John 14, you really have to look at 12 and 13, so just... Hang in there with me, a little background. So in John chapter 12, Jesus gives the disciples some really, really bad news. He tells them he's about to die. Now, just imagine you've given three lives, uh, three years of your life to this guy. And, and this is like the, the night he was betrayed. And so he, he tells them, I'm about to die and go away. And to imagine as, as one, of the, one of the 12 to think, I, I dedicated myself to this guy and now he's going to die? We thought this was a new kingdom. We thought he was going to be a king. What have I invested myself in? Well, you go on into John chapter 13, and Jesus washes the disciples' feet and, uh, to serve them and said, what I've done for you, you need to do for each other. And if you look at Luke's version, right after that happened, the disciples get into an argument about who was the greatest, which is kind of ironic after having their feet washed. And then it's at that point, Jesus gives them a second bit of bad news. He says, one of you, one of you 12, is going to betray me. And the story goes, they didn't know who it was, and they were freaking out. And they were, Lord, is it me? Am I the one who's going to betray you? And, and to imagine that one of the people who invested three years of their lives would be beating him up if he knew who it was, right? Uh, but, but so you, you, you go through this, and it's like, wow, we, we've been around these guys for so long. How could I miss that somebody's a traitor. And then right after that, Jesus, uh, Peter stands up to, to Jesus and says, listen, I'll die with you if I must. And, and Jesus says, Peter, I tell you what, before the rooster crows, you'll deny knowing me three times. And all of a sudden, the, the leader of the rabble, the, the one who was in charge, the one who was, who was out front showing them the way to go and, and, and following Jesus, he's the one that's going to deny knowing who Jesus is. And they just couldn't believe that that was true. But Jesus threw out these three things of bad news to them. And then he gets to John chapter 14. That's where we pick up. John chapter 14, verse 1. And uh, we're going to read through 14, focus on 1 through 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? 
Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Okay, so I want to go back through this, and, and again, keeping this in context of anxiety, and of suffering, and of difficulty, um, how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we keep from losing it in our world? Right? Because really, it's easy to do. It would be easy to do. It'd be easy to throw up our hand and say, it's over. Right? And I think the message that Jesus had for his disciples is the same message he would have for us as followers of Jesus. When we live in the world in which we live, how do I respond? How do I react? What do I do? And the first thing Jesus would say to us, I think, is do not let your hearts be troubled. And it's interesting if you go through the translations, one of the, one of the translators I read said it this way, do not be intimidated by the situation you're in. Do not be intimidated by the situation you're in. Now, now think about Jesus saying that to the 12 as they were in the circles talking or they were around the table talking and, and, and Jesus says don't be distraught over the situation. I know I've just told you all kinds of bad news and things you don't want to hear and things that are horrible, but, but don't be distraught. Don't be worried. And the reason he says that is because you trust in the Father. You can also trust me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me too. I'm worth believing in. I'm worth it. You see, I think as we go through this journey and as we live in times that are so bizarre, it is, it is easy to lose focus on who God is. It is easy to lose focus on, on how trustworthy he is. And if we go through the scripture, we find people who trusted and we find people who didn't. I'm reminded of the story of David when he went to check on his brothers at the front line. And every day Goliath would come out and challenge the Israelite soldiers and say, send out a champion and we'll fight. And whoever loses, that army will become the slaves to the other army. And the soldiers just sat and watched. Well, David shows up, and he hears this, and he hears this giant attacking God and says, I'll go. I'll go fight him. Why would you go fight him? Because the God who has delivered me from the, the hand of the lion and the hand of the bear will take care of this uncircumcised Philistine, he said. Well, after all the debating, he finally gets out there, one little stone in the right spot, and Goliath lost his head. Because somebody trusted. David said, I'm not trusting in my ability, I'm trusting in my God's ability. But all of these soldiers who were well-trained and, and well-armed said, no way, I'm not going out there. Jesus, but David said, I will. You look at another story, and you, you see on the Exodus when the, the, they followed Moses to the edge of the promised land, and they sent in the 12 spies, and they came back, and they said, oh, my gosh, it's a beautiful land. It's fantastic. And they brought back fruit from the land and said, oh, it's a beautiful place, and, and God has been so good to promise this to us. However, 10 of them said, we, we can't defeat these people. They're too powerful. Joshua and Caleb said, wait a minute. <laughs> This is the God that got us through the Red Sea, destroyed the, the army of the, of the Egyptians. What do you mean we can't win? God will deliver us. We can trust him. And the people said, nope, we're listening to the 10. And for 40 years then, they had to wander in the wilderness. You see, we, we go through this part of history, and it's easy to lose trust. It's easy to say, God, you're losing control here. It's easy to say, I, I can't trust in you to fix this. 
But Jesus would look at us and say, you know what? You can trust me. I know times are hard. I know they're difficult. I know they're frustrating for you. And I know you have no idea what's going on. But, but here's what you can do. You can trust. Because there is a plan. And just like those 12 had to, had to come to the point where they trusted what Jesus was saying about his, his death, burial, and resurrection. And they had to trust that it was okay, even though there was going to be a betrayal and a denial. They had to trust. And so as a, as a follower of Jesus, I, I want to encourage you in this time to step back and, and in spite of everything that you read, in spite of everything that you watch on TV, in spite of all the negative that is there, step back and realize that you can trust your God. You can trust. He's been faithful over and over again. We, we can trust. But Jesus goes on and then gives a reason for trusting. And he says this. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it, were not so, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Now, some of the translations talk about mansions, but, but here, let me, let me tell you why I think rooms in this case is a better idea. Because what Jesus was saying is, you are a part of the father's family. And you're going to live under his roof. So I think it's better for us to imagine that God has this incredibly huge house. And in it we all have beautiful two-room condos. Because the point is, is not the structure. The point is, is that you are going to be under the roof of God. You're in. You're part of the family. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know this news is really bad right now. But there's something much better ahead. There's something much better ahead. See, in theology, we talk about justification, and that moment that we become followers in Jesus. We talked about sanctification and that growing up in the faith and, and morphing into Christ-likeness. But then there is glorification. And it is this reality that one day when this life is through, we will be in the presence of God in the new heaven and the new earth in the perfect place. John in Revelation 21, he described it this way. He said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning, no more death, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Do you hear those words? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more mourning. No more death, no more pain, no more goodbyes, no more diseases that sweep through the world, no more losing your job, no more body aches, no more disappointments, no more failures, no more sin. Whoa. And Jesus says, look, no matter what happens in this world, there's something better that awaits. There's something better that awaits. And I think so many times we get caught up in the here and now that we forget that we're a part of something greater. That's why Paul in Colossians 3 said, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. You know, Paul, the one who was thrown in prison time and time again and whipped and stoned and left for dead, but got up and walked back into the city and started preaching again. That Paul who said, listen, there, there's something better. Whatever price you pay, he said, I consider it all rubbish in Philippians. Whatever this world has to offer is rubbish compared to what awaits. Have you ever decided to take a really long trip, one that you've just been dying to make, and so you decide, all right, two years or three years from now, I'm going to take this trip, so I'm going to start saving up now so I can pay for it. I won't ask for a show of hands. 
right? But if you've done that, you, you know that it's, it gets frustrating month after month to set the money aside and, and, and to keep setting aside until finally you save for however long it is and the trip comes, wherever your perfect trip is. And you get on the plane or you get in the car, wherever, however it's going to work, and, and you realize, you know what, I've saved up for this. I, I have waited for this moment for this plane to take off. Whether it's somewhere in the United States or somewhere across the world, I, I've saved for this and, and I'm ready for this and excited about this. Now, hopefully, when you got there, it was everything you hoped it was. So let's just pretend for a second that it was, that it wasn't one of those horrible trips where you got stuck at the airport for four days. And you take this trip and, and it's, oh man, this is even better than I imagined. It's better than I thought it would be. It's more beautiful. The people are friendlier. The food is better. It is fantastic. And somewhere in that process, we think, well, I could live here, though really you probably couldn't, but we think, I, I could live in this spot. And you come back, and you have all the memories, and you have the pictures, and, and you look back and say, well, that was a great trip. Well, see, that's kind of what we're doing right now. We're preparing for the perfect trip. We're following Jesus. We're, we're living for him the best we know how. We're, we're trusting him. We're, we're letting his spirit guide us. We're letting him use us in this world. And, and we, are, we are headed for the best trip ever. Now, granted, I'll, I'll say with you that the getting there is not always fun. The whole dying part is death doesn't scare me, but dying is uh, not, not exciting. But we're on this journey to take the perfect trip. And Jesus says, listen, you're a part of God's family. You have a place in his house. His roof is over you. And no matter what happens in this world, no matter what is taken away, no matter what the world does to you, guess what? One day, you're going to go with me to that place I prepared for you. And it's worth that. Whatever sacrifices you make, it's worth it. And so I think as we, as we go through this time in our journey, we, we have to step back and we have to take the big picture into account and, and realize that this is headed to a better place than we can comprehend right now. Because it's real easy to get lost in the bad. But no matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult it becomes, there's something better that awaits. And then he has this interaction with Thomas. And poor Thomas, he gets such a bum rap. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I think Thomas, if he was American, would have been from Missouri, the show-me state. But over and over again, he's like, I, I, I won't, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So here he is, Lord, where are you going? We can't know how to get there because you haven't told us where you're going, right? Now, in Thomas's defense, later on, he becomes a great hero of the faith. Uh, when the diaspora happens, Stephen gets stoned and the Christians go everywhere. Stephen goes to India. I mean, Thomas goes to India. And it's there that he planted the church, the seed of the gospel. And even today, you will find tens of thousands of people who call themselves Thomas Christians, right? So just... In fairness to Thomas, he needed proof, but once he got it, he was all in. All right, so he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And I think it's important for us to clarify this in our day and time and to make it something that we grab a hold of. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. There's no other way. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. Now, the world's not going to tell you that right now. The world's going to tell you that, hey, whatever you believe in, whoever you are, it's okay, because that's your stuff. That's who you are. But Jesus made it very clear, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And those are very important words to hear. The problem is, is the world focuses on the exclusivity of that statement. Meaning that Jesus said, hey, I'm it, everything else stinks. But that's not really what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying was, I give you hope when nothing else will. I give you a chance when nothing else will. The only way that you're going to be under the roof of the Father's house is through me. There's no other way. And it's been fascinating being able to teach world religions at campus and just to go through the different religions and what they believe and what they practice and what they understand. And so let me say this before I get into this, that in every world religion, there's at least a nugget of biblical truth. Meaning that they believe things that we believe and practice things that we practice. Not completely, but nuggets. So, for example, almost in every religion, you will hear that it is wrong to steal. That's consistent. Now, for different reasons and different religions, but, but it's wrong to steal. That, that's a, a biblical truth that you find. But there is one daunting difference between Christianity and the other religions. In Hinduism, they believe that they're going to be reincarnated over and over and over again, hundreds of thousands of times. And the goal is to build good karma and be so good that one day I will become one with Brahman. It's their version of heaven, if you will. But the way that they do that is, is not by grace. It's by practicing what they call the yogas. Right? And that's more than what you do at the YMCA. There's five different types of yogas. But, but you do all of these things to build good karma so that one day you'll re reach what they call moksha. Buddhism, which came out of Hinduism, same kind of thing. There's reincarnation. You're reborn over and over and over again. And the idea is, is you want to build good karma, but, but you do it by practicing the Noble Eightfold Path. And you spend your life trying to do exactly what the Noble Eightfold Path teaches. And you, you practice it over and over and over again in your life. And then, then one day you can reach nirvana, they call it. In Judaism, you, you follow the law. God laid out very clear directions that you follow. And you follow this law to bring him honor. And you do whatever he said so that one day when this is all done, you'll be right with him. Islam, the goal is to go to paradise. And you do that by following the five pillars. Five things that every Muslim must do in their lifetime over and over and over again. And then when this life is through, they believe Allah will judge them in the right way so that they can go on to paradise. And, and we could talk about Shinto, and we, we could talk about Sikhism and Jainism and, and all of these religions. And, and here's one constant that they have. He said, I have to accomplish a lot of stuff to get where I want to go. That it's all about my capacity to pull it off. And I work at it, and I work at it, and I work at it, and I spend a lifetime, and maybe one day when it's all over, I'll get what I'm chasing. See, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said all those other things, they're not going to get you where you want to go. And so I'm coming to do for you what you could never, ever do for yourself. I'm going to give you a pathway to God. And I'm the only way to get there. And I think when we're talking about anxiety, this is one of the most important things that you need to hear. That no matter what happens, no matter what they say about us, no matter what comes our way, you never stop being a redeemed child of the King. You're in the Father's house. You belong to Him. So when you're driving down that road, down the road, and that rude driver cuts you off as if you aren't even there, well, you may not have seen me, but I'm still a redeemed child of the king. You can't take that away from me. 
When you're in line and someone cuts in front of you, oh, you may not have noticed that I was standing here in line waiting my turn, but that's okay. I'm still a redeemed child of the king. You can't take that away from me. A more serious note, when the boss comes in and says, your services are no longer needed, well, I'm still a redeemed child of the king. When as a pastor I get anonymous heat-seeking missiles on the back of offering envelopes, I'm still a redeemed child of the king. When someone you love decides they don't want to be in your life anymore, you're still a redeemed child of the king. When someone you love dies from COVID, you're still a redeemed child of the king. When someone who is close to you has different political views than you do, you're still a redeemed child of the king. When that person that you thought you were really close to posts something on Facebook that makes you angry, you're still a redeemed child of the king. And I think one of the most important things that we can do as we go through this journey is to always keep in mind, I'm God's kid. And the whole world may fall apart, but that's okay. I'm still his kid. And I know where I'm going when this is done. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. There's going to be great times. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be good stuff that happens too. But let's be honest. The bad stuff seems to overshadow the good stuff horribly. But we're still redeemed children of the King. And nothing take that away. Jesus said it in John 10, my sheep are in my hands and nothing can take them out. Nothing. See, it's grace. It's God giving us something we don't deserve. That's what makes Christianity different. And that's what gives us peace when the world falls apart. Because it's based on what he did, not what I've done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that it's not dependent on me. I thank you that it's all based on what Jesus did for us. And Father, we, we acknowledge the reality that we don't have the right to stand in judgment of anyone else. Because we didn't deserve the grace that you gave us. And Father, I, I pray that as we go through this journey and as we get disheartened and we get hurt, that, that we would trust we would trust that we belong to you and we would realize that's enough. Because when Jesus is the only thing you have, you have more than enough. So Father, I pray that if anyone is struggling today with all that's going on in the world, that today you would remind them beyond a shadow of a doubt they are a redeemed child of the king if they really are I pray that they would find peace in that and they would find joy in that and they would celebrate that reality now father I pray for this time I pray that if there's anyone here watching that does not know you that you would draw them to yourself that today would be a transformational day for them. That they would know the way. And it's in that beautiful name of Jesus I pray. Amen.
Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And my question is very simple today. Do you know the way? Have you met my Jesus? Can you honestly say that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're a redeemed child of the King? If you're here or you're watching online and, and you just, I just don't know. You can know. You can know. And so if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life as your forgiver and leader, I invite you today to make that decision. The most important decision you'll ever make on this journey. What do you do with Jesus? And if you're here in the room and, and, and you just, you know that you need to follow up on this, I invite you in just a minute as we sing to walk through these doors, come to the Welcome Center. Let's talk about faith and what it means. Let's understand this grace thing and how transformational it is. If you're online, you can text us, you can email us, and we're people ready to respond to you that way. But understand that it is in Jesus that we find peace and we find joy. We find contentment. Doesn't mean all the problems go away, but that's where we find that. Maybe you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus and God has put on your heart that you need to be a part of this community of faith officially. Same thing when we're done, come by the Welcome Center, can text us, we'll talk to you about that. Or maybe today, you need your hope restored. As a follower of Jesus, you just need your hope restored and be reminded that you're a redeemed child of the King. Take a few minutes and celebrate that with God. If God is leading you to respond in some way today, you respond as he leads as we stand and worship together.
so much for joining us this morning. We hope you have a blessed week. Go Jags.